Hello and welcome to Canucks Talk. I'm Thomas Drance, flying solo. It's Thomas Drance and friends, they said on Twitter in promoting the show, to which I say, I don't have friends. What are you talking about? Flagrant false advertising from producer Dom and producer Lena. We're coming to you live. I have family. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay, Dominic Toretto over here. Anyway. We're coming to you live, of course, from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, is supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. And as usual, although I do have a long lineup of friends coming up on the show, I will require your participation. I'll need your help, dear listeners, to get through this two-hour solo show as Jamie Dodd remains on short-term IR. Hopeful, hopeful, but not confirmed to return tomorrow. Game time decision. (laughs) Anyway, I'll need your help to get through it. So please hit me up at the 650, 650 Dunbar Lumber inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver. Visit them online at DunbarLumber.com. Okay, we've got a busy show today. Segment one, we're going to get into the whiteboard. Segment two, we've got Yannick Hansen. Segment three, Dmitry Filipovich in studio, going to join us, break down the Nashville Predators and why Philip Forsberg is the coolest player in the NHL. And in segment four, iMac, joining us live from Chicago, fresh off of an Italian beef sandwich at Portillo's. I don't know, maybe. That's what I'd be doing. He'll join us at 1.30 and break down this Canucks road trip so far and everything that's going on around the team. All right, without further ado, let's get into the whiteboard. All right now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Headlines. The Canucks head to Nashville to take on the red-hot Nashville Predators. But the lineup isn't quite what you'd expect. We'll get into that shortly. This is just to say the Nashville Predators are not playing like the team that the Canucks soundly beat twice, both in Nashville at the Bridgestone Arena and in Vancouver a week later, back in November and and late October. This Nashville Predators team has won seven of their last three. They're playing a far more imposing, far more entertaining, far more vibesy brand of hockey. It's going to be an interesting one, a good test for a Canucks team that managed to grind out three of the four possible points so far on this road trip, but hasn't looked particularly convincing doing it. Uh, Head to Nashville to a team that they've owned so far this season with an interesting lineup, which we'll get to shortly. Not much on the broadsheet today. Uh, I think after a third healthy scratch in the past month, we'll get something on teams calling about Kuzmenko tomorrow. We'll get into the Kuzmenko scratch because, yes, that's the interesting lineup note shortly. But, yeah, I think we'll get some some sort of Kuzmenko update in the wake of this decision to scratch him for a third time in a month today. Uh, but for now, the latest is that the Canucks are taking calls and uh, would very much like to add depth along the blue line. But, unfortunately, you know, it's hard given the flat cap. All right, on to lineups. Here's the meat of the whiteboard today. Now, before we get into it, I want to start here with an error in omissions. I want to transparently correct the record here because yesterday I misread the date of the roster freeze. The Canucks roster will not freeze until later tonight, whereas I'd said yesterday that it would happen yesterday. Excuse me, the 8-8 
I, or the 19 looked an awful lot like an 18 to me as I was quickly prepping to do a solo show yesterday uh, in Jamie's absence. So please accept my apologies for that error and omission. Uh, still a chance of a, of a pre-Christmas call-up or perhaps a late trade uh, for the next 12 hours or so for the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, with that handled, let's get to the big news stemming from Canucks morning skate in Nashville. Andre Kuzmenko will be a healthy scratch for the third time in a month. Head coach Rick Tockett confirmed that decision to the Athletics' Harmon Dial, among other reporters covering the club's pregame activities in Nashville this morning. The club will roll with a fourth line of PDG, Philip DiGiuseppe, Neil Zaman, and Sam Lafferty in Kuzmenko's absence. Top nine stays the same. Defense stays the same. Noah Juleson, of course, having cemented himself as an everyday player for this Canucks lineup over the past few weeks, especially with his work on the PK, where he has been far and away the best Canucks skater. So look. Kuzmenko scratched again. He had a 10-game run following two consecutive healthy scratches in and around American Thanksgiving in late November. In those 10 games, Kuzmenko has three goals, no assists. He's taken just 13 shots on goal. He's logging fourth-line minutes, five-on-five, and some power play time uh, with PP1, but PP1 has sputtered. PP1 has not been playing particularly well. Here's the most concerning thing to me. With Kuzmenko on the ice, five on five, since he returned to the lineup, the Canucks have been outshot 36-64 with Kuzmenko on the ice. That's a massive gap. Now, the actual results are a little bit better than that. Five goals for, four goals against. So the Canucks have actually been positive on the scoreboard with Kuzmenko on the ice so far. But look, if you're getting shelled like that with a particular player on the ice, it's only a matter of time before the dam breaks, before you begin to get outscored. Certainly with Kuzmenko in the lineup, in that spot on the fourth line, um, the Canucks have not been creating an environment where they're more likely to score the next goal. Next goal. With this news, you know, I, I think is going to come a lot of frustration, right? Kuzmenko only played like 13 minutes, five on five, in the last in, in the two sets of weekend games against the Minnesota Wild and the Chicago Blackhawks. It's not like he was at fault for a goal against, but certainly that line isn't playing well. And... I think it's fair to note, like, what do you expect Kuzmenko to do when he's playing with guys like Phil DiGiuseppe, even if Phil DiGiuseppe is like a, a large sample middle six rate scorer for his career, and, and a guy in Niels Amon who we've never seen drive offense at, at, you know, even a below average rate, frankly, in the NHL. I get it. Like, I get it. But we've also seen Kuzmenko get a shot with PDG and Pew Suter. Well, th those are two middle six rate scorers. Like, those are two guys that you should be able to, especially against bottom-of-the-lineup competition, um, you know, string some heavy shifts together, create some scoring chances. That just hasn't happened. You know, at some point, at some point, like, the Garland template matters, right? Garland's playing with a pair of forwards who've never scored more than 30 points in their NHL careers. Like, Teddy Bluger was a 13th forward for the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. He was a fourth-liner most often when he was playing in Pittsburgh. Right, Dakota Joshua, I, I mean, he's played enormously well for the Canucks, but, you know, when this team gets to where they want to be, is he their ninth best winger or their seventh best winger? Or is he their tenth? You know, like, I think that's a fair question to note. Doesn't matter. Garland's gone out and the line hasn't had bounces 
And things haven't been easy, but they've been working. They've figured out a way to drive play. Garland's figured out a way to help this team win games. Garland's figured out a way to drive a massive goal differential in the Canucks' favor despite limited ice time, low opportunity with bottom six caliber line mates. We haven't seen even a hint of that from Kuzmenko, and I, I think that's fair to note. You know, I, I don't think the Canucks are going to be the best version of themselves without Kuzmenko producing, right? Without finding a way to get this guy to be effective again riding shotgun with Elias Pettersson. But I, I also don't think you can do what Tockett's been called on to do which is implement a new way of playing, a new culture of winning hockey, a new culture of accountability within this organization, and sort of let it slide for the benefit of one player who's, you know, I think really struggling to recognize how to fit in, right? Like, I think he's struggling to recognize how to forecheck, when to forecheck, how fast he needs to skate on the forecheck. I think his lack of speed is, has been a meaningful holdup on that top line, given the way that this Canucks team wants to break out, how they want to play. You know, at some level, I think it becomes difficult to make the unfair argument when you're just not getting much in terms of performance. Like, I don't think Kuzmenko's been good enough for me to say he shouldn't be scratched. 13 shots in 10 games with four minutes of power play one time a game while he's playing. He's not even at the net front. He's at the half wall. Like... It's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. So, you know, it, it's a tough break. It's a tough break for a player who I still think is good. Like, I still like the offensive profile. I still believe that he's a game breaker. I still won't be remotely surprised if we get a nine-game stretch where he has 15 points, something like that, and and single-handedly wins a handful of games for this team over the balance of the year. But, you know, it's trending in the wrong direction, and he's not performing well enough for me to really object to this decision at some point this is the NHL and you're going to get the opportunities you earn you know and that's not to say that it's you know curtains on a player we all saw play down the stretch last season and and thought you know highly of but sometimes it doesn't work with one player and one coach it feels like we're there with Kuzmenko and talk it that's not necessarily a negative on the player I mean we saw with Niels Hoaglander couldn't couldn't sniff an opportunity under Boudreaux well look what he's doing now right I mean things can change rapidly sometimes a certain personality or a certain play style is oil and water with a particular coach maybe that's what we're dealing with here Um, but it's a tough situation like I don't know how the club can navigate this given you know, the, the contract that they signed Kuzmenko to just a year ago, under a year ago, five and a half million times two, like having term, I know the cap's going to go up. Maybe it looks different in the offseason, but in season, you're probably looking at money in, money out, which complicates things. You're going to look at teams that even if they're interested in buying low on a guy who has 40 goal ceiling, because we've seen it, because we've seen it, he's still, you know, in his 20s. The term's not ideal, but it's not forever, Right. Even if there's teams that are interested in doing that, there, there's not a lot of teams that can eat that cap hit. Um, you know, you're, you're certainly not getting the sort of value for him now that you would have at the deadline. So 
Uh, it's going to be an interesting situation to monitor here, without question, with the Canucks and us and a star level point producer from last season who's really struggled to ingratiate himself and whose opportunity appears to be slipping away rapidly in the Canucks lineup. With Kuzmenko moving out of the lineup and up to the press box or the visiting locker room, healthy scratches don't always go watch the game in the press box. Sometimes they just hang out and then you get the pizza early. You know, the, the post-game pizza arrives after the second uh, period. Like, you know, usually pages? after the second intermission. So uh, so sometimes you get to like get a head start on the pizza. That's one of the benefits of being a healthy scratch in the NHL. Um, in addition to the garbage bag size bag of popcorn. There's a lot of food in the NHL, man. It's a dangerous place for a man with my, my waistline and activity level anyway. Anyway. Hironic, Philip Hironic is going to take Kuzmenko's spot on Canucks power play one, and we know where he'll be stationed. He'll be stationed at that left circle. Now, to my eyes, I haven't always loved what this power play has looked like with Hironic, with the three forwards, 2D look. I like it a lot, five on three. I'm a little less keen on it, five on four, but. You know me, I'm not just relying on my eyes. I'm going to go look at the numbers. And when Hironic has been on Vancouver's first power play unit, and as a proxy here, I'm going to use his power play time on ice with Elias Pettersson. Vancouver has generated 66-plus shots per hour and nine goals in about 30 minutes of work. That's insane. That's wild stuff. Like, I'm wrong. This, this Canucks power play has been gangbusters with Heronic and the 3F 2D look. Truly outrageous stuff. Power play should be fine, even if it's been sputtering of late with Heronic moving into it. For reference here, by the way, with Kuzmenko on power play one, and we'll once again use his power play time on ice with Pedersen as a proxy, the club has generated 59 shots per hour, so a slightly lower rate than what you'll get with Heronic, who shoots a little more willingly than Kuzmenko does from that spot at the left side half wall. Um... And they've scored 19 goals in about 120 minutes, which it's about half the rate of what they've done with uh, with Heronic. But, I mean, a, a much larger sample with a much lower shooting percentage. So I think the main takeaway here is whether it's Heronic, whether it's Kuzmenko, you're going to get wild production because the Canucks power play is really good, even if it hasn't been at its best now, dating back a month. Uh, I still I still want JT Miller, by the way, at that left circle. Like I still want JT Miller on his downhill side taking that wrist shot around screens and conducting things, the maestro with the baton in, in his hand, orchestrating the whole symphony. Like That's what I want to see personally. Um, but Heronic with Miller, Besser, Patterson, Hughes, the, the four mainstays, um, that's been an excellent look for this team so far. We'll see if they can sort of break the schneid um, this evening at the Bridgestone Arena. Also, worth noting that Casey DeSmith will start tonight as Thatcher Demko gets the evening off. Casey DeSmith has been on point over the past month whenever called upon. A, a huge asset for the team. This is going to be his 10th start of the season. Uh, he's 5-2-2 two, two so far in nine decisions uh, with a 9-2-3 save percentage. Wild, wild stuff. Both Canucks goaltenders over 920. Um, look, this is one thing to monitor. Like one thing about the Boudreaux bump era that I always faded was 
It's not just that the Canucks are getting an excellent goaltending from Demko, which I buy. It's also that Spencer Martin's like a 935, right? Like, it's also that their backup goalies have been outrageously effective. Um, DeSmith at 923, uh, look, that's really high. This team plays good defense. I think they're creating a good environment for their goaltenders to succeed. But, you know, if you wanted to ask me, should should you bet the over or the under on Casey DeSmith's save percentage at the end of the season, not .922, uh, obviously, you're you're mashing that under uh, without a second thought. In terms of the playoff forecast, let's move in and take a look at Dom's model. The Canucks playoff odds and point projection unchanged. And it's going to be unchanged almost every day here per Dom's model. 95% likelihood that the Canucks make the postseason. 103 points is their current point projection. This is really a much bigger game for a Nashville Predators side that has run very hot over the past month and now has a 56% chance of making the playoffs. They're currently projected for 93 points. Really incredible, by the way, how this sort of middle class of the Western Conference is hollowed out. Like We might see a far lower playoff bar than we have historically. Historically, it takes 93.6 points, roughly, to make the playoffs in the Pacific Division. Um, will anyone be surprised, based on where teams are trending, how imposing they look, if you know a team like Nashville or Calgary were to slink in at 91.6, something like that, I, I certainly wouldn't be, uh, given where we're at and how those teams look on form. Um, it's really wide open here in the playoff race now for one of the teams in the West, and and it's really that like Preds, Blues, Flames, Kraken, Coyotes tier. One of those teams is going to seize the last playoff spot in the West, and that's I really only see it as one open spot because I'm assuming that Edmonton is going to charge and be safely in the mix by game 82. And guess what? Guess what? I'm going to be right. So just uh, just bookmark that. Let's go to the gambling odds. Canucks are slight underdogs tonight, plus 100 on the money line against a Predators team they've owned. Well, that's, that's a pretty tasty morsel in my opinion, um, even if the Canucks' form has not been tip-top on this road trip to this point, like we've seen them ventilate this Predators team, even though this Predators team is beginning to look a little bit more like the high octane, super vibesy, fun team that I expected coming into this year. Predators are the favorite, minus 120, so not significant favorites at home this evening. Uh, the over under is set at 6.5 tonight, and there is steam on the over, minus 125. You can get better than plus money, plus 105 on the under, 6.5. Uh, I think you can understand why the over is the more popular bet here, given that it's not quite the Demko Soros duel we might have expected earlier this week. Betters favoring the over narrowly going into tonight's game. Let's hope they're right. Should be fun. In terms of futures, there's there's a few things that are interesting to me. The Canucks continue to hold steady and have for a few weeks now at three to one to win the division. Really, no movement in the win the Pacific Division odds. Um, even though Vancouver's run hot, like seven, you know, seven wins in their last 10 games with an overtime loss mixed in. So points in eight of their last 10, that hasn't been enough to move things because the hottest team in the Western conference remains Vegas, right? Vegas has points in nine of their last 10 has really steadied the ship after, you know, a, a sort of iffy week, basically in late November, um, they're also the defending Stanley Cup champions. No one wants to bet against Vegas. L.A., by the way, still represents wildly good value at 2.6 to 1. Um, that would be extremely tempting to me if I, if I bet on hockey. Some movement in the Jack Adams futures market that I want to spotlight here. 
Rick Tockett has long been the betting favorite, but he's now moved into like a real position of control, like a prohibitive favorite stance. He's now at two and a half to one to win the coach of the year award. The next closest competitor is six to one. So Tockett has really separated from the pack. There's also been some really fascinating movement in the Vesna market. Thatcher Demko has also further solidified his prohibitive favorite status. He's down to three and a half to one. Um, but the most interesting thing to me actually isn't a Canucks note. The market has congealed. The futures betting market for the Vesna has congealed around a runner-up favorite. Like a, a clear second has emerged from a chase pack of, you know, Hellebuck, Shesterkin, Ottinger that has sort of loomed behind Demko for several weeks now. And it's Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot, five to one, is now the clear second favorite to win the Vesna, according to Vegas. Uh, I guarantee you, no one, absolutely no one, and definitely not the Ottawa Senators would have predicted that two and a half months ago. That's going to do it for the whiteboard today. Stay tuned. We've got a great show, busy show. Hanson's up next. Then we've got Dmitry Filipovich. Then we've got Ian McIntyre. I'm Thomas Drance. You'll be listening to me and my super friends here on Sportsnet 650.